ladies and gentlemen, to the latest episode of Game Rivals. I am Maximilian X, one of your hosts, and with me, as always, is the untouchable, the infallible, the guy who will live, die, repeat every single day, Sean Templar. How's it going, Sean? <laughs> I'm good. I see that you finally put that uh, returnal uh, uh, mention in there. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? Got, got, got your dick time. Got your this time. I'm yeah, good. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> How are you? Nice. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, as I said before we started recording, it feels like a lot of stuff happened and I just forgot what happened. Uh, it's a strange time because it's like before E3 kicks off. Normally around this time, you should hear a lot of rumors and stuff like that around what's going to happen. But um, yeah, I, I, I mean, there have been a lot of stuff going around, but it if you're not paying attention or uh, you just might miss some few things. But then again, that's what we're here for, right? Or if you're like you and you see Nintendo rumors, you just click away because you're like, oh, I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear it. Because you know what? I'm going to be let, let, quick. Quick tension here. The only reason why I'm skipping uh, Nintendo rumors this time around is because the last time we had an E3, a lot of stuff got spoiled and it wasn't as fun. I'm a guy, and I've said it before in previous episodes, but I'm a guy who loves surprise. I like being surprised. Like sometimes you want a little, like a little taste, like a little morsel. But I don't, what, do you, what do you always call it? You call it a little bit of spice. Uh... Yeah, a little spice. Like, <laughs> a little spice. And the rumors take the spice away. Because if it ends up being true, it's like, yay. But I, it was kind of already spoiled for me. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, uh, I, I actually don't know if Sony's going to participate in E3. I know Sony's going to participate in Summer Games Fest. But I don't know if that includes like this big press conference or like a state of play or um, I think that's still up in the air. So, okay. So we know that summer, uh, summer fest games is happening. Um, that's one. It's happening in the same month as E3 and it's yep. going to be the pretty much the entire month of June um, because they're doing this kind of co-op thing with E3 and ESA but we also know that the ESA is doing E3 all digital, of course. There's a lot of companies that are um, working with the ESA, despite the stuff that we heard that almost made it sound like not a lot of people would be atten- uh, be cooperating. They still did, you know, like Nintendo, Microsoft. Uh, I don't think EA is part of it. Um, they are doing their own EA play. They're doing their own EA play thing, as always. Yeah. Um, Microsoft is actually doing it in tandem with Bethesda, so there's that. Um, I think, uh, we're finally going to get a look <laughs> of uh, how Starfield is uh, shaping up. Yeah, I'm kind of curious what they're going to be saying and stuff. Um, there are a bunch of other stuff, you know, Sega is part of it. Yeah. Um, I think Take Two is actually a part of E3 this year. Not Rockstar, just Take Two, so don't get your hopes up. No, uh, no GTA Six. They, well, the funny thing is, is they did mention that the next gen version for GTA Five is coming out in November of this year. So um, they'll probably show off something like that, maybe at either the. I think we'll get a trailer for that, since Sony was uh, opening their state of play last year with the PS Five event with GTA. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm tired of GTA Five. That game has defied all logic. It's becoming like a Skyrim, and eventually it will run on a potato because it just, you know... <laughs> That's the only thing that it can't run on. 
yeah, I mean, uh, oh man, I, I'm, I'm I'm honest. I, this is like a side tangent, but I personally yeah. would love a GTA game on the Switch because you could take GTA on the go with you, kind of like GTA Liberty City and Vice City stories on the PSP. Yeah. And I mean, I never understood why there was no GTA game besides Chinatown Wars and the DS. I don't know if it's maybe a too violent game for Nintendo that they don't want I love it, that. or that's not that the it's, issue. Uh, the install base is too small, whereas the install base is pretty big of the Switch. So I never understood that. I think, I think that part of it was the install base and part of it was also Nintendo's image. But with Ch- honestly, Chinatown Wars kind of fell back to the old school top-down thing. Yep. But seriously, you, you were literally a drug lord in that game. I know, um, I so, played a bit of it. <laughs> I played a lot of it. <laughs> I didn't finish it, but I, I, I kind of liked it. I played it on my phone at the time, and I liked how they translated the motion of, like, hardwiring a car that you just use the touchscreen to do it. And yeah, I, I, I really, really liked cool. it, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm not going to lie. I um, I had a drug empire, man. Oh, wow. Like, legit. Like, for some reason, I, when you make the connection that the way that the... the, the the buying and selling of drugs in that game works. Yeah. Like it's the stock market. That's it flipped that switch, man. It's like the stock market, the stock market. And you're like, okay, I'm just buying and selling and trading, right? You're oh, buying man. it cheap or you're stealing it. Don't steal in real life kids. Um, also, don't do drugs in real life, kids, unless you're... I, I think you should have started with that one, because <laughs> <laughs> I almost thought you were condoning it, because even though we live in a free country like the Netherlands, but... Uh... No, I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying, like, if you're an adult, you can do whatever you want, but if you're a kid, don't do drugs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... I yeah, feel I like was... uh, Chinatown Wars is your is, is what, what Total War is to me, is Chinatown Wars to you. So I don't know why that is, because I played, for example, GTA 4, right? Yeah. I, I actually bought it on launch day. Oh, me too. And I sold it after a week. Why? Because I wasn't... The thing is, I wasn't that excited about the game. I personally like... I think the best GTA until now is 4, and then followed by Vice City. Because I just, and, I, and a lot of people don't like it, but it had like a really mature story in Favor, and I really liked the mature story. I know GTA is known for the goofy stuff, but I like the fact that they went this more uh, adult story way instead yeah. of having uh, you walk into the men's room, in the, into the showers of San Andreas and finding a purple dildo in a police station. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know what? Okay, so two things. I bought that pre ordered GTA 4 because I was kind of pressured into it because everybody around me at the time was like, you know, you really should get GTA. It's really cool. It's really cool. I was not a GTA person. Again, mm. Nintendo fan, never owned a PlayStation 2, so I never got into GTA 3 and San Andreas and uh, and Vice City and stuff like that. that. So. I will say this, if I were to play another GTA game, it would be Five City, because it's yeah. the 80s in Miami, yeah. and that looks, like, awesome. Yeah. Um, but the other thing I would definitely like, like, I would love if they did another Chinatown Wars, just because I had so much fun with the whole stock market of drugs. <laughs> because it was so fun to do, and there you could manipulate it in so many different ways, because not only were your actions in that game 
why am I doing a review for Chinatown Wars right now? I have <laughs> <laughs> Point is, if you haven't played Chinatown Wars, you missed out, and it's kind of a shame that um, the only other thing that they did was put it out on like PlayStation Vita and and mobile. I think you could. I don't know if it's. It's not there uh, anymore. It's gone. Let me but, check if it's available on the PSP as well. If it's available on the PSP, it's gonna disappear soon. Because uh, remember, it's the, oh my goodness, that stuff is disappearing next month. I mean, it's on the PSP, on mobile devices, and on the DS. Ooh, that means that it's not on mobile anymore because that was a long time ago. Well, I don't know because I, I think if I go into the uh, purchase history of my phone, I could still find. I could, you know what? Let me you check. could probably still find it. I don't think you could still download it. Um. Uh, or that it even works on your phone right now. Uh, I think that is having kept that up to date. I think that's a bigger issue than <laughs> me actually not being able to download it. Yeah, and the PSP oh. version, if it's still on the PSN, don't forget that's disappearing it. June second. Ah, nice. Download it. Yeah. All right. Maybe I should download it because I never finished it. Uh, you know what? I'm downloading it right now. <laughs> the last update Live I got downloads. was, two, it was uh, two years ago. The li- oh, last update. Boy. Well, yeah. let's hope that it actually still works. All right. So we were talking about E3, and then I got sidetracked because we talked about GTA. How did that even happen? You mentioned uh, Rockstar. You said Take Two and not Rockstar, and that's how yeah. we got there. And then I shared the news of GTA coming to next gen this year. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think that game is going to be so long in the tooth. People are desperate for a, for a new single-player story from the GTA franchise. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be honest, I th- I'm not as excited anymore as I used to be. And I think because until this generation, because I feel like in the PS4 generation, open world games were done properly. So like in the PS3 generation, there were a few, like you had GTA and that was it. And then you had some outliers that tried to do an open world game, but they just couldn't nail it. And I feel like in the PS4 generation, we got overloaded with, with open world games, but we got a few good ones in there and they were really successful. I mean, I liked uh, The Division. It had an open world. I liked um, Mafia 3, for example. I liked Sleeping Dogs. Um, I liked Horizon Zero Dawn. I mean, these are all open world games. Uh, Days Gone, which is still one of the most underrated games there's out there. Um, you know, so you had a lot of these open world games and they were really, really good. So I feel like that people are, you know, I come back to stuff like backwards compatibility. So for example, the idea that you don't have it weighs harder than the fact that you're actually going to use it. And I feel like that it's the same with GTA. People are more like, oh my God, I want GTA. But that's because in the past, that was the only proper open world game you could play. Whereas now... There are so many open world games we can play that for me, it's not, it doesn't have the same value anymore. I mean, like I loved Saints Row, for example. And, um, you know, say I felt that Saints Row was even goofier than GTA, but I, they, they added co-op from the second part on, I think, to all the parts. Yeah. Yeah, and that's yeah, something yeah. that's been missing from GTA for a long time, forever. And well, outside of GTA Online, of course. Yeah. And they had San Andreas had, had like a local co-op mode. But you could never co-op the whole story like you could in Saints Row. So I feel like people are, are holding on to this memory of how GTA was. But um, 
I don't have the same thing. I'm like, eh, you know, it's just another open world game. And yes, the name GTA carries weight, but it's not like I'm going to pause my life, take a month off and <laughs> buy GTA 6 when it comes out and play it again. And I think it also has to do with the fact that they really, really, really milked out GTA Online because yeah. they abandoned Red Dead Online. They said, yeah, Red Dead Online is going to be even bigger than Wait, GTA Wait, they abandoned Online. it? Well, they're still... It's still there, but like the content is so, so meager. It is so bad. I mean, the game still doesn't have heists, whereas Red Dead screams heists. I mean, form a posse with your, with your crew, go rob a bank, go rob a train. Go I don't rob know. a stagecoach. Go rob a stagecoach. It literally is screaming for it, and they add stupid stuff like bounty hunter pack or I, I don't even know what they're adding <laughs> but like the, i mean they're making a, a ton of money off of gta online so it's a bit it's a smart business move to milk it out mm. but at the same time i mean i really don't care about gta online i just want a proper single player game you know or yeah. heist in red dead online yeah that would be neat that would be yeah. neat but I don't think we're going to hear about that in E3, though. No. Or we might hear about it in Summer of Games. But I don't think there... We don't know the lineup for Summer of Games, do we? Uh, besides a few studios or companies that are confirmed, I think Jeff Keighley will do... He's doing like an opening night live kind of event again. So we'll probably have a lot of... Uh, uh, the idea is, I think, that he does the the reveals of the games there. And then in the days after... The developers will all get some time to show off or talk about their games um, instead of uh, not, basically. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. Well, speaking of if they do or if they don't, um, we uh, we have some really weird news coming about do's and don'ts. Because there is a rumor going around about Netflix trying to get into the gaming space. I personally like it. I personally do not like this. Why? <laughs> because, again... Be okay, so, right now, at this point, we have Amazon, yes. who has put out one game, took it back, and then canceled it. They're 0 for 3 right now. They canceled another game that didn't even get the chance to launch. They had to cancel the, uh, the Lord of the Rings MMO because... The studio that's making it got bought by Tencent, and they couldn't work out a deal for that. So yeah. that one is dead. And now they're working on a fourth game, which I think is supposed to come out this year. But rumor has it that that is also not going well. So I think in this case, <sighs> I mean, and Netflix has experience with a rental system or with a content creation system but that's not enough yeah, yeah but like at least it give it gives them a bigger advantage than stadia oh, i think in this case even begin about stadia yeah but like how how stadia felt like when it was first announced it sounded like the netflix of games and then the further we got closer to the closer we got to launch the the bigger that gap became and it turned out into something else and i think it all has to do with a tech company thinking look at us we're this big tech company we're going to disrupt the gaming space. We're all going to show you how you should make games or how this works. And I mean, I think in this case, I think Netflix is more like, 
Hey man, we've mastered uh, renting out DVDs. We've mastered renting out movies because we have this subscription service in which we offer content from other studios, but we also offer content from our own curated studios. Um, so why not focus on kind of doing the same with that? So, I mean, who says that they just won't go out to all the third-party publishers and say, hey, uh, we want to offer your games on our platform. We'll give you a nice fee for it and we'll just make a new subscription bundle out of it and that's it. I mean, that's what we want as gamers, right? Yeah, but here's the thing. Okay, so here's the thing with Netflix, right? They're not just going to do that. They're not just going to say like, oh, hey... They might start in the beginning, which honestly would be a smart move if they did. In the beginning, just offer it to third parties. And then comes the challenge because you know that they're going to try and make their own first party games just like they started making their own TV shows and movies. Yes. And that's where they're going to stumble and fall because they're going to think... How hard could it be to manage a game studio and get but games out? One could argue the same about them making their own TV shows. And if you look at their TV shows, yes, they have some missers, but they have a lot of good stuff in there as well. I mean, I have a Netflix subscription because I like the Netflix originals the most. Uh, they, For example, House of Cards, I loved it. Um, Orange is the New Black, I didn't finish it all, but it was really fun to watch. Um, Narcos was really nice. Uh, Strangest Things, I'm still waiting for that new season. Um, they announced I mean, it. I, I know, they have like a lot of stuff in there and they offer like a wide variety of things. The only question is, is are they going to focus on uh, bite-sized content like mobile games or stuff like that or easier to play games or are they actually going to focus on AAA games? The, the rumor now is just purely that they're attracting talent all across the industry and that they're talking to talent from across the industry and trying to say like, hey, you want to work for us? So I think they're in the phase of building it out, but I don't know if they're already in the phase of thinking out the business model. Maybe those people that they attract will kind of help them steer them in the right direction. Um, since Netflix does have a big bag of money and a big user base, so it makes it interesting for um, a company if they approach you and say, hey, uh, Maximilian X, CEO of uh, Awesome Studios or whatever you call your company, um, I have a user base of... 70 million paid subscribe users. And I want to offer your game to these 70 million paid subscribers with a different subscription. That's a pretty big install base for you. Would you like to be part of my subscription service? And you'll be like, whoa, 70 million subscribers. Where do I sign? Here's my soul. Give me the money. You know, it's, I mean. No, they, easy. <laughs> <laughs> always read, always read the terms of conditions. No, but like, um, yeah. that's, they have leverage. Whereas, Google didn't really have, I mean, Google could have taken to, taken this to another place and said like, hey, we have so many Android devices all, that are currently active and we're going to offer all these games on these devices or our services are available on all these platforms and this is our install base. They, they, I feel they never leveraged their position. Whereas Netflix can just simply say like, oh, hey, uh, we have X amount of money that comes in every month because we have this many subscribers and we're going to offer it to all these subscribers. And from a business point of view, it's really interesting. I, man, I'm still, I don't, I'm going to be honest. I don't like other companies that like, that either haven't focused on gaming or think that managing gaming is easy, muddying the borders and just wasting talent and time and money. I think, um, 
I think this is going to happen more and more because um, people basically have seen that games, especially during the pandemic, games have brought people together. Games have kept on grossing money, um, even though, for example, movies have been pushed constantly or the production are, of movies have been halted because they simply cannot bring people together to make the movies. Whereas with games, they can let all those people work from home and they can also let all those people from home in, enjoy it. You don't have to go to a special place to enjoy a game. You had arcades in the past, but now you don't. So it's a win-win on all fronts. And I think a lot of companies saw that and are like, oh, well, crap, we need to step out of, uh, out of this current business model. I mean, I read the other day that Disney, for example, all new movies going forward will go to cinemas for 45 days. It was 90 days before. It will go for 45 days yeah. and then it will go to Disney Plus straight or they'll even do a split release. They'll say Disney Plus and the cinemas at the same time. And I think the pandemic clearly showed people or Disney that people are willing to pay for it. So I think that that the whole, a lot of people are like, oh, we, we want a part of games because that's a big pie and there's a lot of money to get uh, made from that pie. So I think we're going to see this more and more. So I think the industry has to, I think, be a bit more open to it because, I mean, basically they're invaders at your front door and you can fight them off or you can try to reason with them. And they fought off Stadia, but I mean, it's going to happen more and more. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens. But what we don't have to wait for long to see what happens is Ratchet and Clank. Uh, yeah, it's coming so, out in a few weeks. It's coming out in a few weeks, and we got details on how it's going to be running on PlayStation 5 because it'll have come with two different modes. It'll yep. come with a performance mode where it runs at 60 frames per second, but 1080p, or it'll run at full 4K at 30 frames per second. I, I think they did a similar thing with uh, Spider-Man, and I... Played Ratchet and Clank on 30 FPS a couple of months back, and uh, shortly after I finished it, they brought out a 60 FPS patch. So that was my luck. But I think I think it's really cool to get those options, and I don't think that 30 FPS is like a bad thing for the game. All oh, right, um, and no ray tracing on the performance mode. Yeah, maybe they'll add like a performance RT, with, like with what they did with Spider Man in an update. But I mean, Maybe, I but think... why aren't they doing this now? Resources? I'm pretty sure they were working on this game for a really long time, specifically for the PlayStation Five. Yeah, but I mean, I think like it's it's like a priority setting. I think. I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. Um, Otherwise, Spider-Man would have had it from day one as well. Plus, it's not the only one that 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 has this because. We found. We also found out. I think after we recorded the last time, that Returnal is not running at native 4K. It is not. It is running an upscaled 1080p that is upscaled to like 2K and then upscaled then to 4K or something like that. It's doing some weird stuff with the with the visuals, but yeah, it's not running at native 4K, which I think a lot of people got shocked. Yeah, it is running at 60 FPS. It is running at 60, and they have to do it this way just to get it to run at 60 with all the fancy bells and whistles that yep. it has. But I'll tell you, it is the prettiest PS5 game I've played so far. And I really... Normally, like, if I get to choose between resolution or frame rate, 
I always use to choose resolution. Um, I'm slowly creeping more towards frame rate because buttery 60 is always nice. But with Returnal, I really didn't notice that it wasn't running at 4K. It's still, I, the, from the first moment I started playing it, I was just amazed. And that game is running on Unreal Engine 4. I mean, that's... Well, that and you're also dodging like a bajillion bullets. Yeah, but I've had instances in which I just stopped and looked around and tried to, you know, admire the environment. And it looks really, really nice. So I honestly, I wouldn't mind in this case. Well, I mean, I guess that has to do with the art direction. So there's a lot you can do with art direction to make a game look really good. Yeah. I mean, it's funny that you mentioned because The Last of Us 5... The Last of Us 5? Wow, I've skipped a lot of Wow, that's a lot of parts, man. (laughs) The Last of Us 2 got a PS5 patch this week, uh, enabling the game to run at 60 FPS. And um, it's running at a resolution of of 2560 by 1600, I think. so it you you kind of get the option to keep the game at thirty or switch it on to sixty, and even that already makes the game look even better uh, than the previous version. And they've said that they're not even done yet. They've improved loading times and stuff like that as well. But they've said that like this is only the beginning for The Last of Us on PS5. So I fear that we're going to either get a Last of Us One remake or a Last of Us Two remaster, and then they sell it again. But even there, you could see that it, it already makes a difference. And I saw the comparison of Digital Foundry. And for some reason, even the, the, the PS5 version looked much sharper, even though they only apparently improved the frame rate. Hmm. Oh, yeah. That is interesting. I'd have to look that up. I haven't seen a Digital Foundry video in quite a while, so I have to look that up. They've done a lot. They've done one for The Last of Us. They've done one for Returnal. They've done one for Days Gone, because Days Gone also got a PC release this week. Yeah. Um, so yeah. You'll never see a sequel for that, though. Well, the funny thing is, is that uh, they did an interview with uh, the the voice actor for Deacon St. John, and he said, well, if there's one way to convince Sony to make a Days Gone 2, all, there is, and that's simply by spending your money, just by buying the PC version, because that way they, they know that the game is selling. Mm-hmm. Um, the funny thing is, is Sony opened up their storefront on Steam, and um, has like its own dedicated page on Steam. Oh, and, okay. Um, they haven't revealed all the games that are on there yet, so you can see that there are kind of hidden items on the page, but they you can't see what it is. So this kind of hints that Sony is aiming to do even more with PC, perhaps, which is I think, a smart move. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that everybody agrees with that, but. Sure. <laughs> Whatever floats their boat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I watched a video of how Days Gone looks on uh, PC in 4K60, and it, I mean, I already liked how it looked on PS4. I haven't played it on PS5 yet, but it just looks amazing on PC if you can run it at all the highest bells and whistles. Mm. So I think, like, a lot of PC games, and the same went for Horizon Zero Dawn, that even looked, the, the PS4 version already looked great, and on the PC it looks even better. Um, so I do think that a lot of PC players will be lured in just by the looks alone. Yeah, yeah, man. I hope so because it is uh, like I said. I played it a while a while ago. Um, I haven't touched it in a while. But when I was playing it, I, you know, I could see the appeal of the game. Um, days gone. Yeah, days gone. Yeah, yeah. With I'm the, a, um, you know, with the missions and um, the characters and yep. you know the, the freakers themselves, like. Ugh. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't do well with 
creepy crawly that's really fast and somewhat intelligent so i you know what i what what i what scared me the most in that game it was the when you opened the police trunk because you could get ammo from it and then a baby freaker would be in it and you get this cheap jump scare what didn't you never had that one no oh there are like sometimes there's a a freaker hidden in a car so when you either try to open the hood or the the trunk when you open it of like those kids freakers jump out at you and then you just get a jump scare. But you, you don't see it coming. So every time you open it, it's like... Uh, uh, and then it just, you know, it either shows ammo or you get a freaker in your face. Uh, yep. No, the only thing that I've had before is that I tried to... Um, what did I try to do? I think I tried to move a car and the stupid alarm went off. Yeah, so then all well. freakers appeared and then I had yeah. to kill them first and then turn off the... St- stupid alarm in the car and yeah so now i always pop the hood and take out the part so i know that it's never gonna go off yeah i mean like i I love the game and i really think it deserves a sequel i think uh, like almost everyone i speak to regarding days gone they're like whoa i can't imagine i can't believe that i didn't play this game when it came out and that i'm only just playing it right now it's that good at least they should give it a try. Uh, if they don't have a PlayStation 4 or 5, at least get it on PC and check it out there because there it's nice and pretty in 4K. Yeah. Native 4K and pretty visuals. And speaking of pretty visuals, you are getting something really cool for your PlayStation 5. Finally, I am so happy that this is going to happen, but... It is the thing I think a lot of PlayStation gamers have been screaming for since day one. And that was a matte black or a black PlayStation controller. And Sony finally announced that we're getting two new colors this, uh, I think in 18th of June, they're coming out. So we're getting a cosmic red, which looks really, really nice. It's a bit of a darker Bordeaux kind of red color. And we're getting the midnight black PlayStation controller, which is, it looks like a matte black controller. I'm super excited. I uh, ordered it in three places just to be sure that I can get one. So uh, I think I'm going to cancel my other two pre-orders. <laughs> but I'm really excited to get one. I mean... Yeah, the black I, one is really Yeah, cool. I, I, I like the two-tone. And I mean, I don't eat anything when I game. So my hands are always clean. But even then, you can see like the, the controller becoming a little bit... Dis- like It's almost like it's becoming dirty because it's white. And I tried to clean it, but it doesn't go off. And I'm like, I would get annoyed by stuff like that because it's, you know, it's white, it's dirty. And um, yeah, I'm really excited for that Midnight Black controller. It's like, oh yeah, my You God. need some isopropyl wipes for those things, man. I uh, have a bottle of uh, isopropyl alcohol, so I haven't tried it yet. So um, yeah. Oh, there you go. That's something to try. Yeah. But yeah, that, it, they look very pretty, even the cosmic red one. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of people are just going to go for the black one. Oh, I think uh, a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know if a lot of people are going to go for um, not being able to uh, buy the DLC part of Final Fantasy VII Interlude. Yeah, I, I read something that it's it's like a weird scheme they're pulling off. So it it's is like... the weirdest scheme. Because so like it's when you buy a new game or when you buy P- uh, it, it, like the PS5 version for example, it's printed on a new disc, so it's not the same disc already. 
And then there's a code in the box that lets you download the DLC the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But you, yeah. So that's weird. So you can't resell Final Fantasy VII Remake Interlude or, sorry, Intergrade, sorry. Um, and then expect to buy a used copy of Intergrade that comes with the DLC because the DLC is a one time use code that comes with the stupid disc, but already has the full original game on it to begin with. Yep. This Just, feels like, um, I don't it's know. It's definitely a Square Enix thing. Legit. I, I don't know if you remember with, uh, Resident Evil 5 at the time, it had, uh, I think it was either multiplayer or co-op, online co-op, and then you had to buy it as a DLC. No, and then seriously? And when you bought it, it downloaded a file. That file was a couple of megabytes or kilobytes instead of a couple of gigabytes. It was so just an turned, unlock code. It was, a, it was an unlocker. The content was already on the disc, and you just bought the unlocker. And I remember that got a lot of people. I remember. Missed. Now I remember. A lot of people. Yep. Wasn't it's it around the, wasn't it around the time of Project $10 that EA introduced? I think it was around that same time, wasn't it? I don't know what Project $10 is. You don't remember that? No. So remember, this is okay. Great, it's like ten years ago now. Like, jeez. Um, but so around like ten or so years ago, EA had this brilliant idea of fighting off the used sales market by um, having you having the game come with a unlock code that comes in the box, okay. which you had to input so that you can play the full game. If you resold the game. You could always buy a new unlock code for $10. What? That was Project $10. Like, games like uh, The Saboteur yeah. used it. Really? Yeah. Whoa. So if you bought that game, I think, yeah, I think that was one of the last games that did it. Or one of the first games that did it. But you bought the game. It came with a code to, un to unlock the full experience. And if you sold it, you'd have to buy the code again. And they, you could buy the code um, at your game sales place. So if you bought it used, you tell them, hey, I also need the code to play this game. So they'll sell you the code separately for $10, aside from the used price that you're paying for. Whoa, that sounds really... Wow. Yeah, it didn't last really long. Oh, I can't imagine. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, so it kind of feels like that, except you can't do that with Intergrade. You can't buy you yeah, can't buy the DLC. The separate, yeah, it's not offered as a separate DLC. If you bought it digitally, you're fine. Yeah. If you buy it physically, you're the sole owner of that DLC. I, uh... You know what I I don't understand, and that's the, the, the kind of the annoying part of this all, but I don't understand why it almost feels like companies are getting greedier and greedier and they just want to squeeze every dime out of uh, out of a game sale and I'm like you you raise the prices to 70 dollars or 80 euros here in the netherlands and we already buy your stupid dlcs your battle passes your cosmetic items your loot boxes and already what what more do you want from us you want me to surrender my soul to you you want me to give me my blood to you? I don't know what I want anymore. You want me to give me my kidney? 
Oh no! Is the salt thing gonna be the um, the David and Goliath? Of the this David episode? and Goliath for this episode. I don't know. Maybe it will, but <laughs> <laughs> but like if you, I mean, I I read in the I don't know if we talked about this earlier, but I read in the last quarter earning of Activision that they earned one point two billion dollars solely off of microtransactions. I bet that is mostly Call of Duty battle passes. Oh no! They confirmed that it's mostly Call yeah, of Duty so, battle. But that's just, I mean, if. Uh, if work, that work. alone yeah. generates yeah. so much money for you, then I I see I, I understand as a business that you're like, well, we need to squeeze this out more. But at the end of the day, if we stop buying your games, there's nothing to squeeze out from us. So like it's like a it's like a mutual understanding. I give you my I trust you with my money to give me to make a good game, and in return you won't screw me over. But now it feels like. You're abusing my trust and saying, hey, yeah, I have a good game for you, but I kind of want more from you because, you know, I know for sure that you will like this stuff, which I will offer exclusively on paper, not as a digital download somewhere else. Yeah, it should. Uh, it just uh, it just frustrates me when they do stuff like this because it it just highlights how greedy these companies are. And. It's like, I get it. It's a business, right? It's a business. Everybody got to eat. But then you hear stuff like the executives are getting all the money and the people that are actually working on it are working themselves to the bone, barely seeing their families, or in this case, maybe a bit too much of the family during the pandemic (laughs) and, you know, delaying games and production and whatnot. And they're not getting anything. Like they just work, they're, they do the job that they're told to do. They work themselves to the bone and they do not see any of those profits other than the higher ups. Well, and maybe just, they get like that, a bonus, but it's nothing compared to what the higher ups get. Exactly. I mean, sure, they get the bonus, but it's like nothing compared to that. I would almost say that instead of, um, I like the game industry goes through a lot of stuff and they always find something to make an issue about, but maybe they should make an issue out of out of fair pay that like that part about executives getting more money than the people on the front line. I mean, that sounds really unfair and yeah. maybe that's something that needs to be corrected to make it more fair for everybody instead of just the people at the, uh, the top of the pyramid. And that's why developers in the U.S. are trying to fight and create like a, a union. Yeah, you know, the video game union where you can demand stuff like that, which would be great. I kind of feel like they should do this everywhere. Yeah, so I mean, uh, gets, I think at the very least, everybody gets fair pay. Yeah, I think in, in the Netherlands, we're fortunate enough that we have a lot of laws that protect employees, uh, may, sometimes maybe too much, yeah. <laughs> I would argue. <laughs> but um, I mean, we're, I think we're lucky in that regard. But yeah, we don't have a lot of development talent in the Netherlands. Besides a handful of studios, so. Yeah. And I think that might be one of the reasons why. Yeah. It's probably easier to to set up a studio in a country where either labor is cheap or where you can fire someone really easily than to um, have a country that that forces a lot of stuff off of your hands. Yeah. True. But I think, wow, is is there really not anything else? Oh, wait. Sorry. I missed one. I missed one. I didn't missed put it two. in the list. Wait, did I miss two? There are two in the list. One is that Ubisoft is going to make high-end FPS 
or high-end free-to-play games. I think we mentioned it like briefly last time. For oh, yeah, example, right, right. Uh, uh, the, the Division is getting... Uh, uh, the, uh, the funny thing is, is I saw a leaked-out video of it the other day. Uh, there's a uh, technical alpha going on. Yeah, there's a technical alpha going on at the moment. And um, the, the, the free-to-play Division game is, is not set in a big city. It is set in a really smaller city. Uh, has a different setting. Um, there are different modes that you get to participate in. So I don't know if it's like a completely open world game or it's more like a mode-based game. Um, so like the video was taken out pretty early, so I could only see snippets of it. Um, but it looked like something exciting. And I think Ubisoft will probably announce it at E3 or in their going forward event because they're doing one in July. And yeah. then maybe also announce like a technical beta for people to try because you could already sign up for it. And I already signed up for the beta when they announced it. So so I did hear that people that did see the video, because, you know, if you re-upload that video, you're going to get into a lot of trouble. Um, that are pe- the people that did play it and saw the video, they're making it sound like it sounds like that survivor mo- the, the survivor mode um, that you were talking about from the first game. Yeah. So if it's like that, I think you're going to be very excited about it. I mean, I was very excited about it when you when you uh, talked about it. Yeah, I think it's like a, a Battle Royale mix, and I think Warzone has proven that Battle Royale is here to stay. So, um, yeah. Of all the franchises, friggin' Call of Duty had to do that. Yeah. yeah. But at least we're getting something way more interesting than that, and hopefully less big than friggin' Warzone. Yeesh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I still play Warzone. I mean, I don't have any issues with it. It's just rip, that... rip my PlayStation 4 hard drive, man. Seriously. Well, they've they've <laughs> shrunken down the game considerably, which I would never expect them to do, but they did. By how much? Ten gigs. I think it went from like a hundred and sixty GB gigabytes to like eighty now, over oh, the span were... of like a year. So yeah. Okay. Fair. Oh, that's actually pretty significant, but that's yeah, still that's... a lot. Well, um, I think it's like the average size, but yeah, it, it's only a multiplayer game we're talking about. Yeah. Oh, I think I know the other article that I missed up, that I missed was, uh... well, like we are always together. Not everything stays together forever. And apparently that might not be the case for WB Games. Uh, yeah. Because... AT&T Time Warner, jeez Louise, that's a really ridiculously long name, and Discovery, as in the Discovery Channel, just announced that they're doing a merger. And it went really quick, apparently, because most people, even in both companies, were not aware of the talks that were about to happen. And it happened in, like, the span of 72 hours. So there were rumors going around that they're in talks. And by that Monday, in the weekend... And by that Monday, they announced that they're doing the merger. Yep. Which is a really weird one because basically what is happening is that um, the merger is going to end up spinning off the entertainment part of um, AT&T Time Warner into a entertainment division along with the Discovery stuff. Yeah. And then AT&T goes basically back to just being a um, telecom juggernaut yeah i think the, the funny thing about this is that uh, i know last year there were rumors circulating that either sony was interested in buying their warner brothers studios 
that Microsoft was looking at it, that a consortium of other companies were looking at it. Now the rumor is surfacing that um, they might sell it off to another company or they might sell off certain studios or yeah. certain franchises, but they might also license others, such as the Batman license. That's something they would license off to someone instead of sell them uh, to it. So um, I I think this is like the perfect moment for, for Microsoft to swoop in and do that and bolster their uh, family of, of developers. But at the same time, I also see Sony doing it because Sony said like, hey, um, we are not done with acquisitions and we will definitely invest more into that area, both organically growing new studios, but also acquisitions. So who knows? I am not a fan of, I'm not a fan of this either. I'm sorry. I'm not a fan of a lot of things today, but particularly because if be they like a perfect I, indie developer they no here's the thing if they do that you know that microsoft and sony are going to swoop in and they're just going to pick at the remains of wb like a bunch of vultures and a bunch of studios just go left right and every which way before any projects that they're currently working on is going to come out you don't know. They might just buy the studio and the project outright and say, hey, Hogwarts Legacy becomes exclusive to PS5 or Xbox. I mean, there's no reason for them to cancel the, the, the games outright in development if they're good games. I mean, if that Su Suicide Squad game that's in development is a really good game, they would want it as an exclusive. But what if it doesn't come with the license? If they say, you're buying the studio, but you're not getting the project. They'll just have to buy that separately. But like, if you're going all the way to buy the studios, you might as well license the games that they're working on. I mean, I guess that's true, but uh, I don't see them doing it. Uh, it's probably Except for maybe Microsoft, because they like throwing around the monies. I think they have like this big money gun and they're like, oh, I want that money gun. Oh, you mean the ones that they use like in rap videos, right? I've never seen them, but I know that they're around. There was this joke Wait, with that. You mean you've never seen the guns or have you've never seen a rap video? The guns, obviously. Okay. <laughs> Smart ass. Uh, I wanted to see if you'd fall for that trap. Yeah. But, I mean, this is an interesting one. And I think um, it's. I think this is a move that's... that. I think somebody's going to make a move pretty fast. I just hope that a whole bunch of developers just don't end up on the street and having to find new jobs. Not that they wouldn't be able to find new jobs fairly quickly. I was it's about just, to say the same. You know, it's just like, so. it's just kind of crappy if it happens. It always happens when stuff like this happens, like mergers and stuff. So it's, you, know, you always end up being like a little bit cautious and hoping that your favorite developer doesn't end up either a former shell of itself or not existing anymore. I still fear that Kojima Productions will announce an exclusive game or deal with Microsoft at this E3 or that they might be outright bought by Microsoft. If that happens, I will cry myself to sleep. If that happens, then all bets are off. I mean, all bets are technically off because they bought Bethesda you know, lock, stock, yeah. and, and everything. But, yeah, I mean... The rumor is still that, that they're working on some deal with Kojima to have him be like this envoy saying to other Japanese developers, like, hey, I'm working with Microsoft. You should come work with them too because they're awesome. 
I I don't know. I think we have to wait and see what happens. And if they do end up making a game for Xbox exclusively, let's see how that goes over in Japan. Because, I mean, they, it's not like they haven't done this before. And they have done this before, and it did not work out for them. I don't know why they keep trying it. I remember that they did it with Mistwalker with Hiranoku Sakaguchi and that they got like two JRPGs out Yeah, Blue Dragon and uh, Lost Odyssey. Yeah, I don't know if the games were any good, but... Blue uh, Dragon was basically a Dragon Quest ripoff, quite literally, because they even got Akira Toriyama, the manga artist for Dragon Ball and Dragon Quest, to do the art for that. And Lost Odyssey was basically... Final Fantasy? Final Fantasy, except with slightly different art style and it is a good game from what i've heard except that when it came out it got panned hard and i think it had to do with the fact that not the fact that it had that it was an xbox exclusive Mm -hmm. but it came out around a time where people were expecting different things from jrpgs Mm -hmm. and um lost odyssey did experimental stuff but it also felt very traditional. I got that impression from uh, the trailers. But, I mean, um, the, the, a lot of people are saying or rumors are saying that Sony is kind of turning its back on Japan. Sony has said, no, we're not turning our back on Japan. We're just focusing on other stuff. But Japan is still an important market to us. That's that- why they shut down the Japan studio because they weren't turning their back on Japan. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's a, I've, 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 I'm hearing mixed things about Sony. People are saying, hey, Sony's going back to the arrogance of the PS3 era. Other people are saying, like, yeah, that Jim Ryan is making strange decisions. Um, I'm not an executive. I don't know what's going on inside Sony. All I know is that I like the games they make. And so far, they are making good games. Uh, I mean, I'm a happy PS5 owner. So, you know. <laughs> That's yeah. it. I I mean it will be interesting. I mean I do hope that Kojima announces a new game this year because it's been almost uh, two years, almost three years that we got Death Stranding. Uh, it's been two years. Uh, they're talking. There's rumors about a PS5 version of Death Stranding coming out that it's already done and ready. They just need to announce it and release it. Um, that would be awesome because you you're slowly seeing. A lot of big PS5 games getting PS5 feature, PS4 games getting PS5 features, which is really nice. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, it's easier to do than making a game from scratch. So there's that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh wait, I do have some because I was talking to you before we were started recording. Like I have like zero Nintendo news. There is one. Well, technically, two Nintendo news that is out there. Um, they finally put out that the the two uh, adventure games from the Famicom, the remakes. So the Famicom Detective Club games got released. Um, the reviews are actually pretty good. Like, okay. I mean, it's the grandpappy of uh, visual novel adventure games, um, where that you know, like Phoenix Wright and stuff like that. That's where they got their inspiration from. Okay. And yeah, the the reviews are in. It's like I think it's sitting in like at a solid around eighty on Metacritic. Wow. Um the story seems to be really good. Uh, the remake seems to be done really well. And it's nice because I didn't honestly, I never thought I'd ever get to play Famicom Detective Club. I haven't bought it yet for one sole reason. 
buying both games cost like 60 bucks and that's a little bit steep i think it's like 60 euros or i think it's like 60 euros or 50 euros or something like that it's a little steep for me so hopefully um i i pick it up on like a slight discount because it's nintendo and they don't do big discounts um but i'm really i really want to play it because I, i it's been a while since i've played like a good adventure uh game like point and click adventure game. And the other thing is that there are new games coming out on the Super Nintendo uh online uh thing. So if you have the the Nintendo Switch online subscription, sorry, I forgot the name. It's too long. It's too <laughs> is long. It, is it not the Super Nintendo online thing? That's a really original name. No, but the Nintendo Switch online Super Nintendo uh and uh, Nintendo Switch online uh Nintendo Entertainment System catalogs. So there's one NES game coming out, which is uh, Ninja Jajamaru-kun, which is a, I think it was a Japan-only game. So it's nice because that means that this is the first time it's coming out in English, um, or at least uh, coming out for Western uh, countries. And there were four games coming out for the Super Nintendo. Unfortunately, I do not have them in front of me. I do know that one of them is the puzzle, the, the puzzle versus game Magical Drop 2, the Super Nintendo version at least. Because the arcade version is available on Switch. So this is the first time that English-speaking um, uh, fans are getting the Super Nintendo version. Because for some reason, back in the day, they did localize it. But they never released the English version of Magical Trap 2. So there's that. <laughs> yeah, like Stuff like that keeps happening. For example, Earthbound Beginnings, like the original Mother game, was translated and ready to go for the NES and they never released it and we only know about that about that happening when they released it on Wii U on the virtual console i have no idea what you're talking about so i'll just smile there are and people nod. are there are people out there that know it so okay. i'm telling it to them smiling and nodding <laughs> i do have one more thing yeah. uh, i read it yesterday is i think you remember last year that there was this uh, little thing going on around ubisoft within the creative director of Assassin's Creed Valhalla got fired because Ooh. of uh, yeah. uh, sexual harassment or harassment. And that kind of kicked off this kind of Me Too movement in Ubisoft in which some people were fired. It came out apparently a year later and not much has changed within Ubisoft. Um, they've, I know that they've appointed a, a female executive in a specific role that is to deal with these things. But people that have chosen to remain anonymous have said that even some people that were part of the whole bullying and all sorts of other stuff are still working within the company and there were no actions taken against them. So I don't know in, in what, to what extent that is true. Um, just yeah. that uh, there was an article in which it was mentioned that people that work at Ubisoft do not feel like there has been done enough to address the, to address the issue that was already there. Yeah. Which oh, is a shame, sure. of course, but... Which is really unfortunate, um, yeah. considering considering that they like made a whole stink about it that they were gonna do better. Uh, even if, even made a statement about it. Yeah, if this is true, then yikes! That is not chill. I think was it with Ubisoft Forward that they did that, or was it? Yeah, it was during a Ubisoft that Forward. they like invited everyone onto the stage and said like, "We are Ubisoft." I'm like, wow, okay. Actions speak more louder than words. 
To be fair, that seemed very forced. But... I think it's like the perfect corporate thing to do. Yeah. Hence the forced feeling. Yeah. All right. So I guess that's it. Um, so stick around, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back with what we've been playing. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, with the second segment, which is, of course, what we've been playing. Sean Templar, what have you been playing? Well, um, the other week, we finally got a game that a lot of us had been waiting for. And that game is called Mass Effect The Legendary Edition. And for people that don't know, that is a remake of all three Mass Effect games. And it includes, I think, over 40 DLCs. Um, so, yeah, I was really excited when he initially announced it. Um, I had my worries because I, I remember that Mass Effect 2 and 3 were, like, amazing games. I never finished 3. I finished the first two. But the first one was, at the time, like a really traditional RPG. And 2 and 3 took it more into an action RPG direction. Um, so I had some worries about the first one. Um they went in there and they made, they upgraded the resolution to 4K um, on the next-gen consoles because I'm playing on the PS5. You can play uh, in 4K up to 60 FPS. On the Series X, you can play it up to 120 FPS. But um, I saw from some videos that it never actually keeps it a steady 120, and I don't think it's at 4K. Um, so yeah, if you're an Xbox player, that's something you can look forward to. Um, they, they also made some uh, quality of life improvements. Uh, they, for example, in, uh, improved the shooting mechanics of the first Mass Effect. Um, I, I'm still in the first Mass Effect game. I think I'm like 10 or 12 hours in. Um, it does show its age, even though the graphics have been improved. Um, so I'm like, I'm really looking forward to starting playing, start playing two, cause I really love to. Um, but you can see it in like the facial animations. You can see it in the way they talk or how they express themselves. It really is a game from like 2008, 2009. Um, but it looks pretty. It really looks nice. Um, it plays really nice. It's nice that those con that those um, those iconic uh, conversation options are in there. I mean, that's one of the things I really like the Mass Effect. Um, you have a question. I see you raise your hand. The sir in the back, yes, you have a question. Millship or Femship? Millship. I don't know why. Millship I, I, is the one true shepherd. I cannot, no, I don't Full agree. stop. No, but like, I, I, I need somebody to explain this to me. But why is it always that when a guy gets to choose the, a character, they always play like with a female? Why is that? I think I've answered this before because it's something different for once. Most characters that you play in video games are dudes. So whenever you get the chance to play as something else, like a female, yes. people tend to gravitate to that. That, and in this case, Femshep is being voiced by Jennifer Hill, which is an excellent voice actor. I know. And she did the Metal Gear as well. You know, she rocks, right? She oh, was, she, does. she was She was the original voiced Samus in the Metric Prime games. So, you know, special place in my heart for that. Mm. But also playing Femship, I, I don't know. I, she just sounded way more badass. 
Well, I, I have that with uh, Cassandra in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, that you could choose between Alexios and Cassandra, and the Cassandra voice actor is clearly the better voice actor. Um, but okay, I get that. Not saying that that male chef doesn't sound good. I just like Femme Chef better. Okay, well, I like male chef better. But anyways, um, (laughs) before we go into this whole discussion, it turns out into something weird. I I, I like the game so far. Um, I even spoke to a mutual friend of ours, and he gave me some tips on extra missions to do. So, for example, I went to an asteroid and did a mission there, and I also went to uh, our moon and did a mission there, and that gave me some pretty cool gear and upgrades, which I hadn't done in the original Mass Effect. It was pretty oh, I cool. remember that mission. Yeah, so, so it's pretty cool to do this one, of these ones. And then now I think, I think I'm fairly close to the end of the game. I'm not going to do all the side missions, because just, I just want to get through it, because I really want to start playing too, because, I mean, I play, and, I, and I, that's kind of the thing that I'm afraid of with this game, is that I played the first uh, Mass Effect on PC at the time. I played the second one on PC at the time, so I know I knew what I was going into starting this game. But I'm afraid if somebody that enters into this game blank and they never played the first Mass Effect, that they'll get turned off by the first Mass Effect because it's basically Mass Effect from 2008 2009, which is a completely different game, and people were like probably will be like, oh, these animations look strange. Oh, these facial expressions are weird. Oh, the combat is strange. And that they will kind of turn them off instead of them actually pushing through and saying like, oh, okay, I just need to adjust my mindset and accept that this is just the way it is. But from two on, it will get a really, really good. Um, so I'm afraid that, that, the, that the games won't attract new audiences, but it will satisfy the fans a lot. Uh, which is still a good thing because there is a massive game in development at EA at this moment at Bioware. So I think this is like a really good time for them to test the waters if people are excited and are interested in a massive game. Um, I think people are. Um, so yeah, I mean, I like it. It's 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 fun. I can't wait to jump into two. I did have a few issues with the game. My save got corrupted. I don't know why. Oh. Just out of the blue. I, I do make extra saves, so I, I didn't lose progress. Um, there was a moment in which you have to do like a, a memory puzzle and then the game bugged on me and then I couldn't do anything and then my shepherd just fell through the floor and then I fell into oh. infinity. Yeah, I, and the funny thing is while I fell into infinity, I looked up and I saw uh, parts of the Unreal Engine. So like, I, I don't know, I think you remember this, but there's this this uh, standard texture in the Unreal Engine, which is like squares. It's white and or, uh, white and purple squares. So I saw like a room with a brick in it and then all these textures there while falling into infinity and looking up. So it was really strange. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because the original Mass Effect was running on, a, on, on uh, Unreal 3. Yeah. Um, so there are a few bugs here and there, but they released like a 10 gigabyte patch the other day. Um, so I think that they, they, they went back and fixed a lot of stuff. I didn't look at the patch notes. I just noticed that they... F- released an update and my place so. automatically downloaded yeah so I, I, that's really nice and then i hope to finish the game one of these weeks i kind of got lost with all st- sorts of tv shows that i was catching up on so i was binging a lot of stuff uh so i didn't play a lot of mass effect after like the first week um but i'm starting to slowly get into it i think i'm like really close to the end um and then i'm really excited to start playing too Nice. And besides that, 
I didn't play anything. That's fine. Yeah. Um, I'm still waiting for... Well, outside of playing the waiting game for the Legacy Edition of Mass Effect coming to Switch, hopefully, sometime soon. Please, EA, E3. Let's go. (laughs) Um, Yeah, because I want it portable. It's an RPG. I I like playing portable RPGs. I hope so. What? So, I played... You know, the standard fare. I've been playing some Monster Hunter. I actually played with uh, one of my Instagram partners who just got Monster Hunter. I, I was, was playing there. it for the very first time. Um, his name is, uh, his Instagram is uh, rb underscore gaming underscore 85. Wasn't it 95? Sorry, 95. Um, because I also have another gaming partner that ends with 85. Sorry, my bad. Um, and um, I kind of helped him. I kind of helped him in the early parts, and I was explaining stuff to him. And then we played some. Uh, so we did some hunts. It was really fun. Uh, but then again, I love Monster Hunter, so whenever I get to play with other people, it's just it's a. Problem. I was uh, watching the stream, and I noticed the excitement. <laughs> yeah, so uh, cool guy. Check him out. He's on Twitch as well. Um, same handle. So. You know, check him out. You know, I'll just put a link to his uh, Twitch in the in the description as well. Um, and when we post it, uh, we'll put a link in there as well. We did that. Um, I played a bit more of Pokemon Snap, um, which is fun. I've moved on. I I haven't unlocked all the areas yet, but I played a little bit more and unlocked more areas. And of course, best boy Bulbasaur is in the house. Oh, so excited. I I saw Bulbasaur and I squeed, like, legit, 100%. I was like, Bulbasaur, Bulbasaur! <laughs> Instantly taking, like, a billion photos. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sorry. Bulbasaur was my first Pokemon when I played Pokemon Blue. It's been my favorite Pokemon ever since. Starter, Pokemon, starter grass Pokemons are always my favorite. I always pick the starter Pokemon as a grass type. So there's that. Um... So I played some of that, and then I had this luck that I had, like, two days off for once, which was really nice from work. And one of them was me playing a single session of Civ V. Ah, I like it. And... It wasn't my intention to do Civ Five because I wanted to play Civ Five just to test out my new gear, and it works fine. It runs smoothly, um, hence the nearly ten hours of Civ Five that I played. Um, I play. I chose, uh, of course, the Japanese faction because, of course, um, I forget who's who the leader is. I think it's Nobunaga. I don't know. Um, I think it's Nobunaga that you choose. So your world leader is Nobunaga. And I did a random map, which is which was my first mistake. Because I, I was like, random map doesn't matter what the size is. The only, the only map choice that it does not give you when you do random is Earth. So I was like, okay, it's not going to do Earth because Earth is huge. Because I think it's, I don't think it's, two scales exactly but it's literally the planet earth that you're playing on and you're playing like the actual countries um 
including the city-states that are in there. I was like, no, random map. So I think it did a random medium map, but that still was pretty huge. Like, I think 75% of it was water, and the and the other 25% was landmass, which made things very contentious very quickly. And I know people always think, oh, like, Civ Five, watch out for, like, uh, uh, Gandhi, because Gandhi is, like, super aggressive for some reason. Um, and the only reason why Gandhi is super aggressive because it's the first time when he was introduced into the game was I think Civ 2. They tried to make him passive, but the pro but they put the hexadecimal to zero, but it counted it as two hundred and uh two hundred and fifty five bits. So instead of putting his aggression at zero, it just counted back up to like full. Uh-oh. So he was super aggressive in the in that game, and he just the slightest provocation he was sending nukes. I heard that and, you've mentioned this before. Yeah, <laughs> I think I mentioned it before, like two years ago. Yeah, we were talking about like Civ and uh, and uh, Rome and Total War, and uh, people found that so hilarious that the developers kept that in in future games. <laughs> Luckily, I did not have to deal with uh, uh, Gandhi. I did have to deal with Alexander the Great, who is a complete and total jerk. Oh, man. The first time you meet him, he's like, oh, hey, hi. Um, do you, like, uh, want to uh, chill and, like, let me into your borders? I'm like, sure, whatever. And then after that, he starts being a complete and total jerk and be like, oh, I don't like you settling near my place Clear my lands. Could you please, like, not do that? I'm like, sure, whatever, bruh. <laughs> and then, like, the the leader of Brazil also gets all uppity, like, hey, you're building near my settlements. Please don't do that. Otherwise, you're going to be in trouble. I'm like, bruh, this is civilization. How do you think I'm supposed to expand, you jerks? And that's why I like Total War. Because if someone says that to me... I just simply gather my army, I invade their lands, and then I eradicate their faction. I got into a war with Alexandria, with, with, with Alexandria, which was not fun, because I was not ready for war, because I was trying to go for the scientific victory. Ah, and I did not end up getting the scientific victory, I ended up getting the stupid time victory like I always do. Because, yeah, because I was also, I was so close, but they do not give you the time because they start acting aggressive, and then they turn every other leader against you, so your resources are limited, and if you end up putting a settlement somewhere where you need to pass through like a city-state, they mess up your relationship with the city-state, and then you can't get resources or a path to your like state that you put in the middle of nowhere. I uh, I think you should play a Total War game instead of this. I well, I can finally play Shogun Two, so there's that. Uh, Shogun Two is a really nice one. Yeah, I mean, I tried it out on my new rig; it works fine. Um, so I just need to, I just need some time to just like take and do that. But yeah, I ended up playing like almost like ten hours. That was the worst. 
I, I know that always happens with these games. I mean, it's you have to just accept that that will happen. There's no, oh, I'm going to spend five minutes on this game. There is, you think you spend five minutes on the game, but you actually spend hours on the game. I've done it before, man. It's I, a, I, I know that for myself because I did it with Civ 4. And that was when at least, at least then I was still in, in, uh, it's almost uh, like in the, school. the hyperbolic time chamber of Dragon Ball Z. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's basically that effect. Yeah, just the first time I actually did something like that, I started in the afternoon, like at around 4 p.m. And I was doing a session of Civ 4. It was the first time I was playing Civ. And when I was... I wasn't even done with my session. The game freaking crashed because Civ 4, when it launched, was very, very buggy. And I knew that it was very buggy. So I was saving like crazy. But then for like four hours, I forgot to save. It crashed on me. It was 4 a.m. And I was like, I am done with this game. And then you cried yourself to sleep. Um, no, I was just very upset. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I I did enjoy it. I like playing Civ. It's just a time, like, it's a time sink. It's, I know how it feels. I have and I do not have that lap of luxury because I'm an adult now. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes you just have to carve out time for these games. Yeah, maybe when I have some holiday coming up, maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll play it again. But uh, yeah. for now, yeesh. it did crash on me once. Like when I was playing Civ Five, it did crash on me once. Luckily, um, I say uh, the autosave kicked in. Mm-hmm. I was able to go back. I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't, I didn't save. I didn't save. I didn't save. I checked. Oh, thank goodness. It had autosave. It only went back five turns or something, so I had to redo some stuff. Mm. But for the rest, it was fine. I did, however, get into a kerfuffle. Um, not with Mesopotamia. I think with... Not with France. I got into a kerfuffle with another country. And I was like, oh, I kind of don't want to get into this skirmish. So I went back to a previous save and then did it differently so that it didn't happen. So I was like, nope, it didn't happen. I did have to redo like 10 turns, which was really annoying. It's is it the term tr- like six months or is it like... No, the term is like, I think a year. So if you advance one turn, it's a year. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, in total war, it's six months. Sometimes uh, in some games, it's three months, I think, but normally it's six months. I, actually, it's not a year. I think it's a couple of years each turn. Really? Yeah, because don't forget, you're being, building up a civilization from B.C. to A.D. Uh, and then all the way up. Like, the end goal, like, the end time is, like, 2,500. Oh, I thought so the 26th century. So, the 26th century, if you reach the 26th century, the game is over. You can still play, but basically, it calculates at that point who has the most resources and stuff built. Mm. And if you win that, that's the timed victory that I was talking about. Okay. Yeah. So if you don't get like scientific or warfare by then, because I wanted to, I didn't want to force people, but also it was a really long time since I played to five. So I was like a bit hazy on what to do. I should have. And I, then I found out that like one of the countries was just, taking over city-states and putting, like, a puppet uh, a puppet in there. So it was, like, technically part of their their country, but um, they just put a 
like a like a governor in there to puppet the city state. Mm. I was like, well, dang it! I kind of wish I did that. <laughs> <laughs> would have saved me a lot of headaches, and it would have gotten me way more resources. So I'd like next time when I actually have time to do it, I will be a bit more aggressive, and hopefully, then I can get the science victory. Always be aggressive with these kind of games. I do it with Total War, and it helps me grow, make China grow larger. <laughs> Yes. Oh, and I played a bit of Kerbal Space Program, of course. Ah, uh, of course. Yeah, not through GeForce Now because it's still not back. Seriously, GeForce Now give us Kerbal Space Program again. Now that you have a new rig, are you going to keep GeForce Now or are you going to cancel this? Oh, no, I'm going to keep GeForce Now because there's stuff that I can't play on the new rig. Mm, okay. So, yeah, for the stuff that I can't play on the new rig or if I'm on the go... Um, I'm still keeping GeForce Now, which is great. I love GeForce Now. Um, I, there is uh, something that I played on GeForce Now I do not remember at this moment. So that's unfortunate. The reason, the only reason why I would cancel GeForce Now um, is if I was able to play like literally any game that I currently own, which I currently have not the, the ability to do so, because not everything works on my rig. I can understand that. But outside of that, yeah, it's cool. Plus, I'm in the Founders for Life uh, category, so it's cheaper for me to keep it than to cancel and then do it again. Cause then yeah, I, you know, that's just... Uh, <laughs> founders for Life. I hate it when companies do that. They just know. gamify something with a badge or a label. And you're. it's kind of like with the headphones that that... Normal headphones will cost 50 bucks, but if they slap the gamer's label on it, it'll be twice the price. It's the same Seriously. headphones, but so suddenly it's 50 bucks more expensive. I don't understand why. I mean, I get why they do that because they know that people will buy it anyways, but it's still kind of a rip. It's a rip indeed. Yeah. Kind of like a, it's a side tangent, but kind of like those uh, performance enhancing gamer drinks, like those powders you mix up with water and then you drink. I'm like, that's probably garbage what you're putting into your body. It's kind of like something like pre-workout. So you'll be like a hyperactive bunny in your chair. And then when it wears off, you will probably go into some kind of a coma or a hangover. And then on the box or on the container, it says, no added sugars, all natural ingredients, blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't know of any natural stuff that's a powder that you need to mix up with water that has sugar or <laughs> sugary benefits. <laughs> that enhances your performance. <laughs> but hey, that's just me. Uh, I see them popping up more and more, and it feels like gamers are being taken advantage, though. You mean like G Fuel? For example, G Fuel is one, but there are others as well. Uh, it's the same with gamer glasses, and that they have uh, uh, a UV... Um, Blue light filters Blue light into it. Filters. I really wonder if they're genuinely... I mean, like, these glasses, I don't need glasses. I just wear these because they have a blue light filter into it. But I actually went to a freaking eye doctor and had them measure my eyes and had them adjusted to my eyesight and then put the, put the filter in it instead of just buying random glasses that are supposed to have... I mean, I brought a pair of random glasses I bought just mm -hmm. to have them check if it was true. And she said... I don't know where you got these glasses, but these are fakes. They don't have blue light blue filters light into filters. it. And when I bought it, I checked the reviews and all, a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, I noticed my headaches less and I can focus better. I'm like, that's called a placebo. You're mm -hmm. being conned into this. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh no. So far, my gaming gamers being taken advantage of rant is over. All I right. think we can wrap it up now. Yeah. Will you do the honors? I will uh, love to do the honors. Uh, thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Game Rivals. Um, we really appreciate your support. You can find us on a lot of places, and I will tell you where. Um, you can find us on your favorite podcasting platform, be it Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, Overcast, Google Play, SomewhereCast. We're probably there. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Game underscore Rivals underscore. You can find the awesome Maximilian, CEO of Awesome Studios, which is actually a company, I think, Awesome Studios. I, I think it's a game development <laughs> studios. But uh, oh, please don't tell me that I'm working there. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, um, I think actually Awesome Studios is like a, a pretty known game developer owns it or works at it. It was like a really silly name. But anyways, uh, you can find him on Twitter uh, at Maximilian. Um, you can find us on uh, Instagram um, at Game Rivals. That's where I'm mostly at. At Maximilian underscore X is where you can find Maximilian. Um, I saw you won some pretty cool giveaways and that you made some posts about it. So people should definitely check that out. Uh, where's, yeah. Where, I, th I think you won that pretty cool red lighty Mario uh, display thing yeah. signage. Yeah, that was really cool to see. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's really nice. Um, and I also won uh, actually a pair of blue light, uh, a blue filter uh, glasses too. Yeah. I can't wear them currently because I need lenses. Um, so I'd have to get new lenses so I can use that uh, instead of wearing my glasses. Maybe um, do a review for us and tell if they actually work. If I get some new lenses to put on to put into my eyeballs, I, I'll uh, give you a review. That almost sounds like this some cybernetic cyberpunk twenty seventy seven augmentation that they just you sit in a chair and then a rib doctor pulls out your eyes and puts in the new ones. I don't hope is that. It's not that thing. Okay. Um, yeah, you can find, you can email us gamerivalsfeedback at gmail.com. And I think that's it. There is one more thing. Um, we appreciate that there are more people listening to the podcast. We've been seeing the numbers going up uh, for the past couple of months. I want to say a big, big, big thank you to you guys. Please keep sharing the love, but importantly, for us to continue to grow. Um, it is uh, important for you guys to also leave reviews on whatever platform that you're listening to us on. So if you're listening to us on Anchor, leave a review there. If you're living, if you're listening to us through Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, Podcast. Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening to podcasts that allows you to leave a review, leave reviews because that allows us to rise up from all the other billions of podcasts that are out get out there especially gaming ones and will make a lot more people also notice us um uh and of course keep continue to to spread the word um to all your friends that might be interested in listening to us ramble about video games for at least an hour and a half every other week <laughs> yes um I always have to be honest with these things. I never like asking, saying like, hey, leave us a, a five-star review or stuff like that. Because, I mean, I, I always think like, if people like it, they will leave a review. I, it feels so forced asking them. But I think in this case, it's something like, 
we have to ask of people because um, I don't I don't think podcast platforms have a lot of discoverability. There's not like an algorithm behind it that pushes your content kind of like it does on Instagram. So we're trying to do as much as we can from our side to create awareness for our podcast. And we've reached more people in the last few months, which we are super grateful for. So as you as you already said, so thank you, everyone, for tuning in every time. Um, it really makes it fun to hear the feedback. But yeah, as, as Maximilian said, um, I, I think if we want to grow this, uh, uh, this podcast even bigger, I think we're going to have to be shameless and I hate it, but we're going to indeed have to ask people to leave us reviews so we get discovered more because in the end, we're not doing this podcast for some greedy reason as in, oh, if we reach so many listeners, we finally get free stuff. We really couldn't care less about getting free stuff. I mean, it's a really nice benefit, but honestly, I really couldn't care. I mean, I'll still buy my games, but it's more like we love sharing our passion for games and we love sharing it with as much people as we can. And I mean, for, for, I think I speak for both of us that the, the most fun episodes we've done so far is the one where we have guests and most of those guests yeah. or all of those guests are from our audience. It's not like we... We walk up to a random dude we see and like, hey, would you want to be on our podcast? Or we see someone online and we're like, hey, would you want to be on our podcast? Everyone so far, I think maybe with the exception of one person, is actually an audience member. And we actually want to keep on doing that. And we have some more lined up. Um, so we're going to do more, but it'll be so much fun, more fun if we have even more audience members we can have on here as guests. Because at the end of the day, we're just passionate gamers that love sharing our passion for games. Um, we're not, it's, this is not our profession. We're not journalists. We, we don't earn anything off of it. We don't have that as a goal. We just want to share this love for game with, with everyone. Exactly. So yeah, again, thank you guys. Um, yeah, just for listening to us and discussing with us offline, um, and just sharing the love of video games. And on that note, I have been and always will be Sean Templer. And I have been and always will be Maximilian X. And we'll catch you on the next one. Later. Later.